Tonight, major fallout in the Breonna Taylor case as LMPD's acting chief moves to fire two of the officers involved. In just the past few hours, we've learned that Miles Cosgrove, the officers it is very difficult to fire a Louisville Metro police officer. There are many hoops to go through and it takes a long time. We've seen that in the past. Oftentimes what ends up happening is an officer will resign. From the digital journalists of WDRP.com, this is Uncovered, a behind the scenes look at stories affecting education, business, criminal justice, and more in Louisville, Kentucky. And now for the show. This is Chris Otts of WDRB.com. It's been a while since there have been any major developments in the case of Breonna Taylor's tragic death last year. But over the holiday break, there was some major news. And here to discuss it are my colleagues, Jason Riley and Travis Ragsdale. Guys, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. To bring our listeners up to speed, no one was criminally charged in the tragic death of Breonna Taylor back in March of 2020 when Louisville Metro Police shot her at her home while serving a search warrant. One officer, Brett Hankinson, does face criminal charges for firing blindly into a neighboring apartment during the incident, and he has been fired from LMPD back in June. Well, now the police department has begun the process of firing two more officers who were involved with the raid or the events leading up to it. Let's start with the termination of Detective Joshua Jaynes. Jason, what do we know about why police decided to fire this officer? Detective Jaynes was accused actually months ago for lying on the search warrant that was signed by a judge and, and used to raid Breonna Taylor's house. He said in the search warrant that he had verified through a U.S. postal inspector that packages, suspicious packages, were being sent by a drug suspect to Breonna Taylor's house. But we actually talked to uh, the Louisville postal inspector in May, and he denied that he had ever spoken to any Louisville police officers. So uh, he also said that he spoke to a different agency. He wouldn't name the agency at the time and that they did a review and that there were no packages, suspicious or otherwise, going to Breonna Taylor's house. After that story, LMPD investigators interviewed Janes about this. And Janes denied that he misled the judge, but said he could have worded it differently. Uh, since then, more information came out. Uh, and in the end, the chief has said she's going to terminate him basically because he lied on this search warrant. Um, and he also lied about uh, not only different aspects of the search warrant, but he wasn't even at the scene when it happened. So she was concerned about the operations of the entire raid. 
Jason, what specific false information did Jane's put on that search warrant, at least according to LMPD Interim Chief Yvette Gentry? Well, this is according to almost everybody, including Jane's. He said he, he verified that he spoke with a U.S. Postal Inspector that these suspicious packages were being sent to Breonna Taylor's home and that these packages could have drugs, could have money. But when, in fact, he never spoke to the postal inspector, he told Jonathan Mattingly, another officer involved in the Breonna Taylor raid, to check it out. Uh, and Mattingly didn't speak to the U.S. Postal Inspector. They, it turns out LMPD police have a bad relationship with the Postal Inspector, so he went to Shively police, who have a good relationship, and asked them to check. They checked and told Mattingly that there were no suspicious packages. There was nothing uh, that would raise alarms going to Brianna Taylor's house. And they said that Mattingly told them he told James there was nothing suspicious going to Brianna Taylor's house. Yet still in the search warrant given to Judge Mary Shaw, it included this line that there were packages going there, which Shaw signed and, you know, opened up the... Uh, the, the raid. Travis, back in September, Attorney General Daniel Cameron released his investigation of the Breonna Taylor shooting. So why are these firings just happening now? So the first thing to know here is the way that the contract is set up between Louisville Metro government and the Louisville Police Union it is very difficult to fire a Louisville Metro police officer. There are many hoops to go through, and it takes a long time. We've seen that in the past. Oftentimes, what ends up happening is an officer will resign in the middle of an investigation to kind of speed the process up a little bit. That's not what happened here. So what happens is, is first, if an officer is accused of wrongdoing, the first group that comes in and investigates that is the Public Integrity Unit for Louisville Metro Police. They are the criminal investigative unit for police officers if they're accused of criminal conduct. They will come in, they will do a thorough investigation, completely separate from what the Attorney General did. Once they complete that investigation, then another set of investigators from the Professional Standards Unit will then do their own independent investigation to see if any department policies were violated. And that's when an officer can be fired. And so what these investigations are, it has now come to the point where a professional standards unit investigation has found that the two officers violated department policy. And that's what's leading to their firings now. And why it's taken so long is because these investigations have had to be completed by many different investigators, both outside of the department and inside. Well, and Chris, there will be some more hoops to jump through after this, because even after the police department, if they do, fires these officers, these officers have a right to a hearing much like a trial in front of the Louisville Police Merit Board, made up of officers, citizens, and others. The Merit Board will hear evidence from both sides and decide Maybe this discipline was too much and they will, you know, amend it down or they'll find that the chief was right and uphold it. And after that, 
the and what's happened before is the officer can file a lawsuit against the merit board. So we have a situation right now where an officer was fired a year or two ago. Uh, he's gone through all this and his case is still pending in circuit court. So this may not even be over after the chief decides whether to terminate the officers or not. I thought Chief Gentry had decided that she does want to fire these officers. Can you explain the nuance here? Well, it's it's called a pre-termination letter, and it happens with almost any major discipline. After they get this letter, I'm intending to fire you, you have a chance with your attorney or not to come in and present mitigating factors or whatever sort of evidence you want and try to talk the chief out of the termination or uh, you know a 20-day suspension and oftentimes this works there have been we've seen several examples of officers who were supposed to be fired but after this pre-termination meeting uh, the discipline has been lowered to 30-day suspension which is the the second harshest disciplinary action so right now we're waiting to see that the officers have had their meetings And right now we're waiting to see if it has any effect or change on what the chief decides to do. You know, Jason mentioned the merit board hearings. And one of the things that comes because of those merit board hearings is there is a very specific order and a very specific way of doing things to fire an officer to make sure that it sticks. Otherwise, the merit board or in a lawsuit, the officer can get their job back fairly easily. In fact, Brett, Brett Hankinson, uh, the officer, one of the officers in this, has already been fired and is facing criminal charges, but has also already appealed to the merit board to get his job back. So these would be the second and third officers fired if, if the chief does indeed terminate them. But Hankinson was fired much faster. And I'm just wondering, do you guys think that these particular circumstances with Jane's and Miles Cosgrove just took longer to investigate or they were more difficult to untangle, whereas Hankinson's sort of what they've called blind firing into the apartment was just obviously wrong? Well, you have to remember he's the only one who was indicted. Um, now, they are looking into Jane's. Federal, federally, they are investigating Jane's from everything we heard, but Hankinson was the only one indicted by Attorney General Daniel Cameron. So that certainly made it easier. I see. Okay. Well, let's keep on our track here. Let's talk about Detective Miles Cosgrove. Uh, Longtime listeners to the podcast who have listened to our other Breonna Taylor episodes will remember that Detective Cosgrove entered the apartment second after uh, Sergeant Mattingly, and he fired, I believe, was more than a dozen shots, according to Daniel Cameron's investigation into the apartment. And uh, Attorney General Cameron determined that it was Cosgrove who fired the shot that killed Brianna Taylor. Of course, she was shot multiple times. What have we been able to learn? And I know a lot of this is not public record yet, but what have we been able to learn about why they are now moving to fire Cosgrove? Well, we know a lot about what Cosgrove told investigators, and that it was when he fired the shots, he was disoriented. He saw a shadowy figure, um, a dark figure, but 
what police have said is that he didn't really know what he was shooting at. He did not identify a specific target. And we should say that while we have the pre-termination letter for Jane's, we have not obtained one for Cosgrove. The CJ, the Kerr Journal, uh, got it from somewhere, and that they're basically saying that Cosgrove uh, it, it was terminated or is being terminated for use of force and for not turning his body camera on. We did a story earlier this year that Cosgrove had a body camera mount, but didn't have an actual body camera turned on. I'll address this to either one of you who may want to talk about this. I wonder, is this the last action of Louisville Metro, the mayor, the police chief, I mean, of our local government? Do these actions kind of complete uh, the fallout from the Breonna Taylor case, or are we still looking ahead to see if there is more discipline, more firings, more procedural changes, anything else that may result from um, from what everyone agrees is a real tragedy? Well, I've heard from uh, sources that there will be more fallout as far as discipline. There are going to be people demoted. There's going to be people be people suspended. Um, now, I don't want to name any names because nothing's come out yet. But you also have to remember that as part of the agreement with Breonna Taylor's family and the lawsuit, uh, LMBD agreed to make several changes uh, over the coming years. So I think we're, uh, you know, still a long way away from this being finished. Uh, you still have criminal cases. You still have civil cases. Uh, and also, Chris, remember that the feds are still looking into this. So there are, are most likely going to be more people charged, uh, federal charge, facing federal charges. And those potential federal crimes would have to do with the, with the search warrant? Well, I mean, we really don't know. The feds could charge anybody for any number of things in this. One of the things we believe they are looking at is the search warrant. But it could be, you know, three, four, who knows how many people charged, or it could be none. We don't have a lot of information about the federal investigation or even when it will wrap up. And the feds would also investigate any civil rights violations uh, that that may pop up with this as well. And that could relate to to the search warrant like Jason and mentioned, too. I would hope that Daniel Cameron or somebody is sure that the feds are investigating that because it seems like there are so many questions about the veracity, how much actual work went into that search warrant uh, and whether that could have been done more carefully or differently that somebody sure needs to look into whether there were any crimes committed with that. And um, it, it, what was confusing for me as someone who's just observing this and doesn't really know about how these things go is how Daniel Cameron could just decide not to investigate that. Um, presumably, he's certain that somebody else is investigating it. I, I've talked to some attorneys about this, Chris, and, and I got to admit, I'm probably just as confused as you are. But a lot of them were unclear why Cameron punted on uh, on this charge for James, which could be possible perjury, because that would be more of a state case and easier to prove in a state case, they say, than for the feds to prove it. Um, and I don't think we've ever gotten, Travis, correct me if I'm wrong, a clear answer on why Cameron didn't present 
possible perjury charges on James to the grand jury um, instead of presumably allowing the feds to look into it. That's correct. I mean, you know, I mean, the the one thing that Cameron has said is that they they did not look into the search warrant at all. It's not just that they didn't present charges, but they didn't even investigate that issue at all. I would like to wrap up. I thank you both of you guys for your time. After looking at this case for nearly a year, after all these investigations, after all these policy changes, uh, the records you've been able to collect, I'm wondering, are there questions that you two still have about this case that you're still that are still nagging at you that you still think may be revealed or may never be revealed in the future? What do you still not know that you would like to know? And let's start with Travis. You know, I think I think now we have a, a pretty good idea um, of what happened that night. I think that picture has been painted pretty clearly. Um, one of the things that we may never know is why Detective Hankinson decided to leave the door, go around to the front of the apartment and start firing blindly um, into that apartment. You know, he claimed that he thought it was that they were being fired upon by an assault rifle with multiple rounds that his off his fellow officers were uh, just getting slaughtered at the front door. And, and none of that has really made sense. I think the other thing for me is, and you know, this may be one of the things that we learn is why Daniel Cameron's office did not investigate the search warrant issue. And if it is, if we find out it's because the federal investigators were already doing that, that might provide some context there. And I think, I think a lot of, a lot of questions that a lot of people may still have could be filled in depending on what federal prosecutors do. Well, I agree with those questions. And I'm also curious about the SWAT team's role in this because the SWAT team was at another home and they did not know what was that this was happening at Brianna Taylor's house and only heard it only knew about it when they heard on the radio that an officer was dead so they had to hustle over there and try to figure out was what was going on it just seems like there wasn't a, a lot of communication as to what was going on and at one point the raid at Brianna Taylor's house was called off uh, and then it was back on and you know there just seems to be a lot of questions about, you know, why did they have to go in when they did? Uh, why did they go in with so much force? Why did the why did the SWAT team, who might be better able to handle this, not not know anything about this? I mean, I, I believe the SWAT team uh, leader even called this an egregious uh, uh, raid. So why weren't they more involved? Well, Travis, Jason, thank you very much for taking time out. I know you guys are busy. I know you're going to continue to look into this case. Um, it's been the story of the year other than the pandemic in Louisville. And so it is not something that we are going to shy away from. So thank you guys very much for your time. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. The Uncovered Podcast is a production of WDRB Media. Please subscribe, review, and rate wherever you get your podcasts.